Hello everyone and welcome to She Brigade the podcast. I'm your host Belinda Musemere. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast and if you're a returning brigade, welcome back. She Brigade is a podcast that celebrates and amplifies the stories of incredible and inspiring black female trailblazers. On the show, our guests share their life stories, the highs, the lows and everything that has brought them to be who they are today. To kick off the new season of the podcast, we have Guguletum Fupi. Gugu holds many titles, including orator, moderator, broadcast journalist, senior anchor, and so many more. She has also recently presented her first TEDx talk. Having studied accounting in university, Gugu quickly realized that the traditional accounting route would not be the one for her. So she joined the campus radio station as a creative outlet. This is where her media career started. In this episode of the podcast, Gugu shares how she merged the worlds of financial markets, broadcast journalism, media, and public speaking to carve out her own career path. She also takes us through some of the hard lessons she's learned over the years on love and loss. We love to hear from you, so please engage with us on our social media at SheBrigade on all social media platforms, or email us your feedback at info at shebrigade.com. Also, Please don't forget to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. So, let's dive in. Hi, Gugu, and welcome to the podcast. Belwenke, I'm excited to be speaking to you today. It's taken us long enough, but... Oh my uh, gosh. (laughs) The pressure. (laughs) No, guys, it's been a long time coming, but... I always believe, and it it really comes out towards at the end of the conversation. I always believe that like the timing of the conversation is always just so perfect. So I'm sure that the timing had to be this moment for a very specific reason. So I'm excited to dive into it. Fantastic. I am nervous. Like I was telling you, I am usually the person asking questions. So whenever I'm putting yes. the heart, there's a sense of anxiety, but, but I trust I'm in good hands. You are. I promise. I promise. (laughs) Okay, so let's dive into it, right? So on the podcast, we'd like to start all the way from the beginning. So I want you to take us all the way back, what it was like for you growing up, for you as a a child, as a student, as a learner. Um, Yeah, tell us all of it. Mm. Interesting one, and I hope I don't take too long with this one, but I have been very fortunate, Belenka, to come from a very loving family and background. Um, I grew up as the last born with... uh, Me too. Oh, yeah, Last right. Born. <laughs> <laughs> Last born um, with two older brothers um, and older sisters as well within my family as an extended group. Um, but with two loving parents who thankfully are still alive today, today, fit and healthy. Unfortunately, I did lose my second eldest brother to a car accident about two years mm-hmm. ago. But um, yeah, he continues to remain a very strong influence in my life um, with a lot of the lessons and the learnings that I keep from him. Um, and now that family is also extended to having a few nieces and nephews from both my brothers, I'm the cool aunt, no kids just yet. Um, <laughs> so that's my official title. And I try to ingrain it in all of them that who's your favorite auntie? And they respond to say, auntie, G-U. <laughs> so, so I'm happy to say I've influenced them to say that. But grew up in, uh, born and bred in Soweto in a place called Middlelands, Zone 1. And after some time, just when, you know, early 90s, when parents were starting to move out of the townships and taking their children to Model C schools, that's when we moved to an area called Ennerdale, the south of Johannesburg, a colored township um, where my parents are still based today. But we've actually um, consistently been a very, you know, tight knit family, even with my cousins, um, my grandparents, you know, really grew up in a very loving environment where much of our weekends were spent together as a family um, because we all went to the same church all had Sunday lunch at grandma's, visited cousins during school holidays. So we really, you know, were raised to be each other's friends, um, which still stands today. Um, And then throughout my schooling Mm -hmm. as well, had the great opportunity to make amazing friends through that journey, um, amazing experiences, which still stand with me today. And, you know, even delve into extramural activities, which have helped form and craft where my career has actually ended up today. So I guess all in all, there's a lot to dive into, but when I reflect on my childhood, I think I, I am that last born that was a bit of a spoiled brat. Some might say spoiled brat, but I just say loved. Um, I definitely did um, snitch on a lot of my older cousins and siblings. Um, but most of all, just always been a fun, loving person who's appreciated and valued the insights and the input and the loving environment that my parents have cultivated around us that exists still today. Okay, so... Tell me, when you were in high school, um, 
what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Oh, a chartered accountant. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I must tell you, that was high school. In primary school, I was uh, heavily influenced by family. I had an aunt who was a nurse and she used to wear these beautiful epaulets and she used to have like this shoulder shrug when she walks. So she used to like motivate me all the time. I mean, I shadowed her. I would go with her to um, the local clinic where she worked, um, go with her on some of her runs. So like most black girls, I thought, oh, being a nurse is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was a school principal. So she'd always give us books, tell us to read. We'd play school, school. So at one point I wanted to be a teacher. But it was in high school, you know, when you start selecting subjects and you start doing those psychometric tests and they start telling you, oh, no, you're more, you know, business inclined. Stick to maths and science, which was the secret formula for any black girl to be successful, apparently. Um, <laughs> whether it works or not, I'm not sure, but that's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then I guess when you start reading certain magazines and publications, True Love was quite big in the day, and I used to read that quite a lot growing up as a teenager. And even just getting exposed to the world, you realize that you know the title of CASA came up quite prominently mm-hmm. when it came to the business environment. You know, um, and that was actually dubbed the best way to become a CEO of any organization or play a critical role in business. Um, so at that time, I would say I definitely knew that I wanted to be involved within the world and the realm of business. The CA stream was dubbed the best way to get there. So I believe that that was what I needed to do. But there were still other passions that I knew that I wanted to explore, but just had not figured out how best to gel them together. But fortunately, I think we've kind of found a rhythm <laughs> and something. Yeah. There. Uh, what do you mean? So what other passions were there? I'm curious to know what those were. Passions were definitely public speaking. Um, oh. Yeah, I did a lot of I Stedford and public speaking. I even did public speaking in Afrikaans, Bilo. So, Yo! Yeah. Afrikaans is not so savory, but I'm more Afrikaans. Oh my gosh. <laughs> By the way, I didn't do Afrikaans at all. So I don't know Afrikaans at all. So I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that was just part of the passion, right? And you just adapt mm. to the language that, that, uh, that you were required to speak in. At some point, I did envision myself as this phenomenal... Um, tennis player. I wanted to be Serena Williams. Um, those dreams got dashed very quickly because the tennis coach um, then left um, at my high school and primary oh. school. Um, and then I guess other passions have always been around drama, um, arts. At one point, I thought I'd be an amazing actress um, because of what we used to do in high school with some of the theatres and plays that we did. Um, so I guess there's always been a creative element to, mm. you know, the business flair and business understanding, you know, and technical discussions that I've always been passionate um, having. Um, yeah, so that's always been an interesting mix in terms of how do I interlink the creativity with the serious nature of business and really understanding how the world works and being an influencer in that particular space. Oh, wow. So there are so, a few specific things that I love about the journey that you've just shared. Firstly, the fact that you you you, you knew, mm-hmm. you didn't know how, but you knew that, you know, you wanted to have some of the creative side and some of the business side together. I can relate to that 100%. Uh, mm-hmm. People always ask me, why are you in corporate? Don't you know? I'm like, I actually love it. <laughs> I enjoy working in corporate, but I also have a creative side to me. So I love that. But I also love that um, at each point from the time you were in primary school up until... Um, um, later on in life, you you reference either black women or black um, black female platforms like True Love. So I think I love that because obviously it's a belief, it's a strong belief of mine that you know young people are so impressionable. So it's important to see people that look like us doing things because that's exactly what molds us. And you're an example of that. Your decisions, some some of your decisions were based on what you saw around you and what you saw other black women doing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think it's such an important point that you mentioned because it really does show, um, um, you know, that representation matters. And mm-hmm. I think in the career that I'm in right now, it was the seeing the Leratombeles, the Sikim Gabatelis, um, you know, and many other black female broadcasters who specifically delved into business. And when I first saw that, I thought, mm, okay, this might actually be what it is that I want to do. How I'm going to get there, I'm not quite sure. But you're very right. Representation does matter because it does give you a sense of, number one, belonging. Um, and apart from the belonging to this greater community that you can now be a part of, it also gives you a sense of authority that, you know, within this space and this realm that I'm in, I mean, and maybe that's also what I remember about my grandmother being a school principal. I'd hear stories from other aunts and uncles and cousins who'd say, oh, your grandmother taught me arithmetic. Oh, your grandmother taught me this and that. And when you realize that her being a school teacher who then moved on to be a school principal, but she was able to have such a great influence in people's lives that even in their adulthood, they could be able to share those experiences with me. I guess it just gave me that reassurance that, okay, 
well, whatever I'm going to do and whatever community I'm going to be a part of, I need to make sure that as I follow through as well with the necessary impact. Um, and, you know, that can be shared through personal stories or that can be shared mm-hmm. through a media platform like True Love magazine. Or that can be a lived experience with, you know, an aunt of mine who happens to be a nurse. And while she looks hella good in her uniform, she's doing good as well because she's, mm-hmm. you know, providing a sense of livelihood to, to the patients that she works with. So you're very right. And I... I hope that that is something that I do get to live up to, you know, in terms of representation, showing people that you can have a sense of authority in a particular field, but most importantly, having an impact, doing good and leaving your mark, you know, in whatever space it is that you choose to be involved in. Mm, I absolutely love that. Okay, so now it was time to go to varsity. Tell me, how did you decide what you were going to study? Because we know what you wanted to be, but how did you decide what you were going to study in terms of actually applying and going to study it? Oh, Gosh, you're taking me back there. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a very interesting experience, Philo. I guess because the CA stream was always just dubbed to be the best route to go. At one point I did, you know, think about medicine, but I knew that I wouldn't want to be, I didn't want to be a medical doctor. Um, The dream to be a nurse still wasn't there because now I'd become all squirmish. Um, So CA stream was the one. And my dad was quite strict at the time and said, nope, you're not going to stay at res. You're not going to leave the province. You're going to stay right here. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Thanks to, that's thanks to my brothers being a little bit naughty when they um, went to tertiary institutions. That's so, the problem with being a last born, eh? That, right? I can relate. <laughs> so I had to make up for their sins. So it was literally UJ and Wits. Those were my only options, not even Pretoria. Um, and I got into UJ. But the funny thing was that I also started about a week later at UJ because there'd been some kind of administrative glitch with my application because I applied for accounting. I think finance was the backup. At some point there was law, Um, but there was a lot, a great sense of, look, I'm not 100% keen on this BCom accounting, but I'm told that my dreams lie within the promise of this degree and in this qualification of having a CASA to your name. Um, So I knew that that was what I was going to study. So got to UJ, got ready to study um, um, my CA stream. And I can tell you within the first semester, I was very clear, like, yo, I don't think this is what I need to be doing. But you know what? I've started this race and I have to complete it. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have the luxury of, you know, picking and choosing what I can and cannot study um, or dropping out of, you know, this particular course because there's also financial implications to it, um, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately put my parents in a very troublesome situation. So, you know, rather stick to it and finish. And which I did. Um, yeah, I took longer than the, the usual three years to graduate <laughs> <laughs> because of stats and stuff like tax, but that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I learned from that is that sometimes trust your gut from the get-go, um, that some things might not be meant for you, but you can take the opportunity to complete the journey. And it's an interesting one because it's a double-edged sword in terms of sticking to your gut, trusting your own authenticity, because I knew within the first semester, by the end of the first year, I was like, oof, it's going to be a long journey, but we need to push Mm. through. And we did soldier on. Um, But then there's also that lesson about perseverance, you know, that even though, you know, this might not be the end goal and what it is that I want to do, but it's a very solid and strong foundation to get me into the spaces that I want to be in. And it also reminds me of a conversation that I had later on with later years um, with one of my mentors and someone who, you know, played a very critical role within my career, who had said, sometimes it's not about what you studied, but it's about showing the discipline that you took the time to commit to a particular project or initiative you learned, you excelled, you tried to produce work from it, and you also gained a greater sense of problem-solving skills, critical thinking, um, which actually shows that you're someone who is teachable, and not only just teachable, but that you're able to learn. And half the time, that's actually what great employers and entrepreneurs look for, people who they know, if I bring you on board and we need to adapt to the environment, can you learn? Are you teachable? Will you problem-solve? Will you apply yourself and your mind um, and show a greater sense of perseverance to getting through whatever challenges we come across? So I think in varsity, despite studying something that I didn't enjoy from the from the get-go, um, it definitely did serve well in my career. And it definitely did, you know, add that greater sense of problem-solving, you know, broader thinking and discipline that's, that's, mm-hmm. that we know is required in, in the real world, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, when you start working, it's not like you when you, when you when you just have a degree and you start working, it's not like um the, your employer says, okay, dive right in. They teach you anyway. So they give you the skills that you need to to execute. The point of the degree is, is just to show commitment so that you can finish, so that you can problem solve, like you were mm-hmm. saying. It's more about the the soft skills that you learn versus the actual technical skills. You can always build on those. 
yeah. I, I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And you weren't just studying when you were at university, right? This, this is when your speaking career started propping up while you were at varsity. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Yeah, that was an interesting one, uh, mainly because... When I was in high school, I was a cool kid. I, I <laughs> had a lot of friends, <laughs> self-proclaimed cool kid, right? And I only say that because in varsity, I was like a nobody. Um, and so to try to get into the cool kid circle, you know, and be of relevance, I thought, hey, man, you know, there's a varsity radio station. Mm. One of my friends actually reads the news there, Mami Mushasho, who's still a very great friend of mine today. And I was like, hold on, mums, you know, can you can you get a girl in, you know, just to read news, traffic, whatever, as long as we're on air and we're having fun. You know, you can get tickets to the latest events. Um, you'll get updated on the latest student vibes and activities taking place at the student center. So so that was the trick. I actually just wanted to be a cool kid <laughs> <laughs> and excel in my passion because I was having withdrawal symptoms from high school. Yeah. Um, and that's how the dream actually started, that I, I got the job. Um, and interestingly enough, it's so amazing, um, Bilu, when you see the people that you started with on the ground, you know, who have now grown into different spaces and different, you know, channels or radio stations um, and in the media world. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, to think that we all started back at UJFM, mm -hmm. you know, doing random things, reading the news from a newspaper, um, you know, doing a bit of everything, producing, presenting, you know, cleaning when we had to, um, that we all really had humble beginnings to actually now be in the spaces that we're in. Mm. But that was the beginning, you're quite right, of my career and of expressing another sense of my passion. And at the time, we weren't getting paid. Everything was completely voluntary. Um, and the beauty was that you could be what you wanted to be. You could read news on breakfast. You know, you could, you know, read news in the evening. And that is like you could do traffic whenever. Um, sure enough, there was a roster and a particular plan and structure to it. But the beauty about it is that it really gave you an opportunity to learn about the different facets of radio. Um, and for a lot of us, you know, we just loved the interaction on air, having a voice being heard. Um, but mainly it also taught you about the business side as well, just to understand the broader scope of media and how this radio station kind of thing is actually meant to work. So you're quite right. That's when I first cut my teeth into media, um, specifically radio. And I'm very fortunate because I managed to grow from strength to strength, um, having started on that particular platform, which really grounded me and set the tone um, for my career. And, and I guess trying to create this new career for myself mm. in the space that I wanted to exist in. So, so now you have your degree, um, you have this experience in speaking and in presenting on radio. How did you make the decision about how you're going to proceed forward? Like, why did you, or did you, correct me if I'm wrong, not go like the, the traditional corporate route and say, let me try out this thing. I know you mentioned that you, you knew you didn't want to do the studying, but sometimes working is a lot different to studying the thing. So how did you make the decision about where, how you're going to proceed with your career going forward? That's actually a beautiful question. And as you ask it, I probably had a quick second to reflect on it. And my experience is very unique in that I didn't necessarily make the decision not to participate in corporate media actually just, I guess, you know, took me into its wing. And how and why I say that is because at the time of completing my degree, um, I was actually in the process like anyone else. You know, you finish off your qualification, you submit mm -hmm. all the graduate programs, applications that you can, you yeah. go for the interviews, some are great, some you get callbacks, some you get offer letters for. But at the time when I was wrapping up my um, uh, qualification, I actually also got an offer from a radio station called 702. But I must tell you, before I did that, a lot of us were actually just trying to get into Y Academy at YFM. Because again, <laughs> yeah, that was the place kids, to be. <laughs> because that's where the cool kids are, you know, started mm -hmm. Y and entertainment. But there was fun, something funny because I knew within myself that, hold on, you know, whilst I like this realm of media and entertainment, I, I don't want to be the fun girl, you know. Um, um, and I say that with the greatest um, respect to my peers who work within the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. But I was very clear that I want to do something that has a lot more clout, respect. Um, and longevity to it um, in the sense of being an expert and an authority on a particular subject matter. So 702, even when I took the chance to send in my CV, you know, one of my colleagues at the time was like, Googs, you know, 702 says they're looking for an overnight newsreader, send through your CV. And I was like, hmm, okay, not the best station, very old, very mature. My dad listens to it. So if I get in, I'll be getting in for him. Um, but let's see how it goes. And I got the call. And at the time, I remember I told my dad, I was like, look, this opportunity just came through. And he was like, oh, 
you know, are, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like you've just done a whole BCom accounting degree. You've done the equivalent of an honors as well. Like surely, Google, you know, you can stick to that offer you got from one of the big banks. <laughs> and I said, look, let me just try it out because it was around the middle of the year. Um, and I said, let me just try it out for the next couple of months. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, back to corporate we go and we'll make things work from there. And Bilu, I, I can't even tell you how from there things just worked. I got to 702. I did the graveyard shift of news. From there, you know, I managed to make the right networks with a couple of people who worked there. People heard me on air. A, you know, one of the callers into the station just recommended that this this other company that's looking for, you know, a technology journalist. And I was like, I'm not a journalist. You know, I studied accounting. You know, I want to do what Bruce does on air. Yeah. <laughs> and um that actually led me to my next place of employment purely by getting a call from someone who I'd built a relationship with wow. through the station that then led me to my next job and then things developed from there. So I think a very interesting point you mentioned that it's never been that um, I never wanted to work for corporate, but I've always actually been keen and eager, you know, to understand how the big world of business works. Um, but I guess media just, um, you know, decided to start over here and see then how you can branch off and build your networks and interact with corporates more from a client relationship point mm. of view and as a consultant versus being an employee. But um, it's an interesting one, but it stood me in good stead, I think. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is in that position now where they have their passions, they have what they want to do, and then there's what they technically should do? And I, I only say that because obviously there are specified um, routes that can lead you to success maybe maybe not I don't know but what would you say to someone who's kind of torn in, in that position where they're like at a crossroads essentially mm. do I do that thing that is untraditional that is has no certainty I don't really know where I'm going I don't know what the end game is there I know what I like or should I do this thing that seems a bit more secure has an end game like has a clear path to um, potential success how, how what would you say to them Tough question, but what have you got to lose? Whatever the decision is that you're going to take, what have you got to lose? And I say this because it's also perhaps, you know, one of the questions that rings in my mind when I think about my conversations with my dad to say, hold on, here's this employment contract from a media company mm. versus this employment contract from a financial services institution. Which one do I go with? Um, and, 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 you know, what have you got to lose? Sounds like a simple question, but it's actually really quite a big one. Um, when I think of how I started my journey and where I was and what led me to media, I had just graduated. I had the flexibility of still being a child in my parents' home um, without any major financial responsibilities. I um, was, you know, beginning to carve out, you know, um, a, a, you know, this process of, okay, I have a picture of what I want to be, what Lerato's doing, what Sikim Kabadeli's doing, what Nikki Pikicha's doing. That's where I see myself. I don't know how long for, but I understand that that is part of the journey that I want to transition into and get to. But at the same time, there's a Yolanda Tuba, you know, there's a Putima Hanyele um, yeah. that I actually want to look like and, and be like within the realm of business. So for me, um, I knew at the time that I didn't have a lot to lose. I had minimal responsibilities from a financial point of view. I had age on my side because I was literally 21, 22. Um, and if things didn't work, I had the flexibility of transitioning, you know, very quickly to the environment that I needed to be in because I could still get into a graduate recruitment program. I could still get into um, doing my articles if I preferred to do so. I could still get into working um, for a corporate in whatever capacity, whether it be internship or anything else. Um, would I do it now? Now I'm a lot older, still no kids. <laughs> um, and in my early 30s. And maybe the responsibilities, you know, have, have come on board a little bit more. Um, but but I think it's a very important question that one needs to ask themselves because not only understanding what it is that you have to lose, what you also have to gain. And that also comes back to a conversation that I had with um, one of the leaders or, or news readers uh, who was a lot senior um, at 702. Um I will not say her name on this platform just in case, but um, she was a respectable newsreader who had worked at multiple radio stations and at the time was one of the black leading voices at Prime Media, specifically reading news for 94.7. And she had said to me, but what have you got to, you know, think about what you can gain, you know, so you can go to a particular institution, say I've spent my time at 702 or at YFM or at Investec, 
And this is what I've learned. And now that I know that environment, I know what I know and I know what I don't want to do. And that will actually empower me to move forward into the new organization or new career line that you actually want to be a part of. So it's a tricky one, Bilo, because I always struggle advising people as to what they need yeah. to do with their careers, because the truth is you are in the foundation phases of your life. But at the same time, life can be very long and life can be very short. And you want to make sure that you do exploit any opportunities that come your way, but also do that with the most amount of uh, research and consideration that you can apply to make sure that you literally you know, do weigh out the risks and opportunities and fully, you know, a, a, absorb yourself in the experience you know so if you are going to do it number one understand what you've got to lose two understand what you've got to gain and go into that experience wholeheartedly um, because that's the only way you'll fully you know grow learn um, and flesh out you know where the opportunities continue to lie for you and most importantly it will also empower you to know what you want and what you don't want and take better decisions from there so a tough one but i am hoping that's a great starting point for anyone who might be confused that's a that is a great starting point. Um, um, I've worked with a life coach, or I'm currently working with a life coach, and she always says that, and I'm always rolling my eyes, like, "Oh my gosh, don't ask me that." <laughs> but and like the more she asks me, it, the, that question frustrates me so much because it's so true and it's so real, and it really makes you think. And we don't think about it enough, and we end up making decisions um, without thinking about what have you really got to lose, what have you really got to gain. Um, you just end up going with the flow. You find yourself at a place and you look back and you're like, wait, was I really intentional in my decisions here? So I absolutely love everything that you've, that you've just said. It's 100% true. Okay, so 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 yes, so you, you've now carved quite a, a brand. I'm going to say a brand, a brand for yourself, a career for yourself in this industry. Um, and it's very niche what you're doing. Um, it's not like, like, you, like, like you mentioned, you're not like, <laughs> the typical speaker or the typical you know moderator it, it looks like a very niche um part of the industry that you're in how do you decide what to take on next um because the part that you've chosen as well there's probably 20 million ways to get there right it's unlike studying a degree getting this internship like i said in the like i said before some careers have sort of like a predefined template yes yours does not how do you make your moves? How do you decide what's the next step or how have you in the past at least? Sure. That's a very important question, hey? Um, and it probably does come at a very poignant time because I am at that stage in my life where I'm like, okay, I've been doing this for just over a decade. I, I love what I've been able to do. I've ticked some major boxes that I and, and targets that I had for myself. You know, some vision board items have also come mm. to, to fruition. So it's fulfilling. But, you know, what does the next decade of my life um, um, lead into? Um, and, and how does that change? And how do I transition? And I guess to start off with how I've taken my decisions previously, it probably is the same feeling that I have right now. You know, a great sense of anxiety and uncertainty um, and confusion sometimes. Mm. And gosh, Billy, you're getting me all vulnerable here. But that's the point. <laughs> but that's the point because yeah, yeah. I guess I take comfort in the fact that, look, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 25. I found myself working in a media company. I was doing, you know, business television. I knew that I wanted to travel the world. I knew that I wanted to speak to big, influential people. I knew that I wanted to be a shapeshifter in terms of how people understand the world of business and economics and can personalize it. Um, and I know that I want to continue with that mandate now within the realm that I'm working in, but also within different spheres. So I think coming back to, you're quite right, there is no template. And that does increase the sense of anxiety and uncertainty. But because I find so much comfort, and not comfort, but reassurance, Bilu, that's probably the better word to use. So much reassurance in knowing that I'm actually in the space that I need to be. You know, when I go to bed, I go to bed with excitement and a sense of enthusiasm that, you know what, I broadcasted that show today and I did a great job at it. I moderated that conversation today and, you know, I could have tweaked this and that, but I did a great job at it. Um, and even when I go, when I wake up in the morning and I, and I think about the projects that I have to do, yes, sometimes they can be exhausting because, you know, it's back-to-back -back commitments, um, but there's a great sense of accomplishment. And I, I think I'm one of those lucky people who is in the space and has been positioned to incorporate, to live in their purpose. You know, and, and I've often said my purpose is really to have a positive impact in the lives of those that I meet. And it sounds airy-fairy and it sounds wishy-washy sometimes when I even say to myself, but when I think of how I've 
in my career had the opportunity to help policymakers understand the challenges that people on the ground have and how that needs to translate into their thinking when they, you know, go into their government talks or how I've helped an ordinary citizen understand new opportunities for them to invest and create wealth for themselves, or just for someone to actually understand this thing called the world and economics. How does it all come together and how is it affecting me in this light? You know, those are things that really give me a great sense of joy and purpose and fulfillment to know that I've, you know, changed minds, I've, I've changed perceptions, and in a way that has allowed people then to change their actions. Um, and that, in a sense, you know, changes the world, you know, depending on, you know, the, you know, how far people actually go with it. But I think to get back to your question in terms of how do I take on the changes and the transitions in my life and planning that particular structure, a lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of prayer. And I think that just helps us to, to send ourselves um, because sometimes we get taken by the titles. We get taken by the materialistic things of the world. We get taken by competition. You know, when you look around you and you get intimidated by what some of your peers are doing because it's great and it's great for them because they are living mm-hmm. their purpose and they're accomplishing their goals and their dreams. And sometimes you feel like, oof, you know, if Philo's doing that, why aren't I? You know, and, and that can sometimes get you off track from what it is that you need to do. So I think prayer, a plan, because you do need to self-reflect. And definitely have a better understanding as to who you are. You know, what are the things that have influenced your worldview? What are the things that have influenced, you know, your life and how it is that you, you know, choose to take decisions? You know, understanding your own personality. You know, are you are you led by your brain? Are you more intuitive? Are you a feeler? Uh, are, are you someone who actually needs to be, you know, alone to actually absorb and create your own energy? Or do you need to be around people? And all of those are things that I've learned Um you know, through life experiences, through academic courses, um, and through interactions with other people, you know, um, um, whether it's a life coach or a therapist, um, or actually having engagements with those close to you, you know, who can guide you along your journey. So for me, you're quite right, there is no template, but I've often found that a great sense of self-reflection, which leads to a plan, additional guidance through prayer, or, you know, whatever it is that you need to get yourself aligned and back on track to who you are is often a great indicator and a great starting point to, to help you with your transition. And another great thing below that I think has really stood very true for me is that sometimes you can have the therapist, you can have, you know, the, 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 you know, whoever it is that you, you liaising with, and those are all very important people and tools that you need to have within your so-called kitchen cabinet. Mm -hmm. But life has a beautiful way of making things work out for you. And that's really been um, a testament in my career. You know, I've, I've walked past buildings and told myself, one day I'm going to work there. I've, you know, listened to people on radio and said, one day I'm going to work with this kind of person. You know, one day I want to have an influence on that global stage. And lo and behold, those things have actually happened. Um, some of them are major career highlights for me. And, you know, it's when you realize and understand there's something within me that resonates with that person, that place, that thing, that impact, and I want to be a part of it. I don't know how, but life has a beautiful way that when you are in the right circle, the right people, the right experiences, the right timing will appear. You will also have to apply yourself, but you'll look back and realize, oh gosh, you know, I I told myself years back when I started at MoneyWeb, I don't just want to read business news. I want to host a radio show. Um, And when I do, I want it to be on this particular platform as a starting point. And then it happens. And, you know, um, so I do believe that when you are a proactive participant of creating your life by putting in the hard work, having the discipline, putting in the plan, making sure that you are aligned with what you need to do and not looking at competitors, the universe, the world, God, your chakras align, all of that, whatever it is that you believe in, (laughs) they make it happen for you once you are proactive participant in your life. As long as you show that you're hungry, you're keen and you're eager, these things will open up for you in the end. Yes, 100%. I'm a big believer of that too. And I'm also so happy that you started all of this off by saying it does come with a lot of anxiety, uncertainty. Like it's scary. Uh-huh. It is scary. Even even when you are being that proactive player, um, it's scary and it is hard. So I'm so glad that you acknowledged that, but you have to power through and, and do it anyway. You know, do it with the fear. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes it can be paralyzing. And I think, you know, it's, mm. it's only fair for us to reflect on the fact that we do have moments where you are literally just paralyzed by fear. Um, but again, having the right people around you, 
positive sounding boards and going back to reflect on, you know, who is Google? Who is Biru? Mm. You know, what makes me who I am? You know, how, how was I raised? What are the things that actually work for me? Or what are those things that I've always had ambitions to achieve? Those are some of the things that can get you back on track. But you're quite right. I think it's very important for us to acknowledge that imposter syndrome gets the best of us. Mm-hmm. Anxiety gets the best of us. You know, fear consumes the best of us. But in your working out of it, you know, um, find the tools that work for you. If it's people, if it's friends, if it's medication, if it's counseling, you know, seek those tools um, and, and just keep on reflecting on what has worked for you in the past and trying to re-implement some of those solutions. Um, but you're right. It's especially at this time, right, with this pandemic, I think a lot oh of us God. are on edge yeah. and just, uh, you know, a bit fearful of, of mm-hmm. what's next to come. Mm, definitely. So tell us, Gugu, what have been the biggest highlights of your life or career? And most importantly also, and I say most importantly because I feel like we don't share these enough, what have been the lowlights? Ooh, let me start with the lowlights because I think okay, highlights, okay. highlights we always put in our bios, right? We, we put them on Instagram. <laughs> you know, there's the lights and the, and the flashing titles yes. and big smiles and, you know, glory to God and my family and this and that and that. Yeah, um, I, call I, think, my, I call my Instagram my highlight reel because that's really what it is. Right? You quite. <laughs> I have the same line, a few highlights of my yes. life. <laughs> because it really is just a few highlights. Because sometimes, yeah. you know, we also have highlights in the most intimate of moments with the people that we love that you can't always share on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good thing as well because we do need to protect, you know, a certain sense of... of you know, the, the, the moments that we can share with those very close to us who have yeah. the opportunity to get to know us in that manner. Low lights. Oh, gosh. Um, probably one of the biggest experiences that I don't talk about too often, but really, really shook me, shaped me, and most importantly, brought me back to who I am was my divorce. Um, so some people might be well aware that I did get married quite young. Um, my marriage lasted less than three years um, until I actually filed for divorce. Um, and that was really a, a major, major walk, talking, I guess, highlight or, or moment in my life, purely because, number one, my worldview and my personality and my perceptions of love and relationships have been you know, primarily formulated by my family you know, um, a unit of long-standing marriages and relationships that have stood the test of time, stood any disruption, whether I know about the disruption or not. But my idealistic relationship was that of, you know, romance, love, and that marriage is the prize and the packaging. Um, and you know what? We all need to work towards um, and doing this life thing with a partner. So by saying that, I just want to elaborate on the fact that my intentions have always been pure. So even when I stepped into the role of becoming a bride and a wife to someone and having the intention of starting a family, my heart has always been very pure and very clear on achieving that objective. But I do realize that sometimes because you see certain roles or certain packages or certain things in the world, and you might have those ambitions for yourself, it's important to always start with self, you know, um, just the mere question, will you marry me? I don't think a lot of us understand the power that that question holds because you as the woman are the person who can determine, you know, whether it is a yes or it is a no, whether you choose to build a family with someone or you don't, or maybe you do build a family with them, but under different rules and conditions and circumstances that you want to create. So for me, the biggest element that I learned there, which I had applied to many other spaces of my life, because I've always been very selfish in my career ambitions. I've always been very clear about what that construct looks like for me. But when it came to relationships, I guess my construct was always just the one who asks is the one because I'm the chosen girl. But you need to realize that you do need to play a more proactive life a proactive role, excuse me, in all aspects of your life. You know, so whether it's a career decision about, am I going to take this job? The power lies with you. Am I going to work out and start this fitness journey? The power lies with you. Am I going to marry this person who is asking me to be their wife? The power lies with you. And for me, it was a constant reminder or one of the biggest experiences that I've learned now in hindsight is that, you know, be a, a conscious participant in the creation of your life. Don't, in as much as life can happen to you and things and events take place and circumstances change, but it really is how you respond to them um, that can play an influence into how things do unfold in the end. Um, so for me, getting married was a great um, experience in the beginning. Unfortunately, things did you know, turn out unfavorably so. 
Um, and that then later, you know, saw me walk away from a marriage and this dream that I had wanted to create with this particular individual. But when I look back on it, I won't lie. In the early days of my divorce, I regretted everything. I was like, oh, gosh, I wish I didn't meet you. Ah, oh, I wish I didn't, you know, have to go through this process. But I realized in hindsight that, as I say, it had to teach me the lesson of coming back to self. You know, what does Gugu want? Does Gugu want this? Does Gugu want, yes, maybe you might want this, but do you want it in this way, in this manner? Do you want it right now? You know, um, and those were important questions that I realized that one does need to ask themselves. And also be patient with yourself because as people, we really do grow. We evolve and we adapt and that's okay too. So when you find yourself perhaps at a crossroads in life where there are certain things that no longer speak to you, that no longer resonate with you, that you no longer find comfort in or no longer find love in, you know, be brave enough to, to take some of those tough decisions as long as you constantly choose you in the end and what you know you'll be content to live with. Um, those are, are some of the key lessons that I've learned, um, yeah, through my divorce. So a bit challenging, but I wow. think a lot of it yeah. really took me back to start with self, you know, who are you, where are you, where do you want to be? And also be very clear cut about, you know, taking responsibility for the difficult decisions when need be. Um, but that's easy, Billy, when, when your heart's content. That's That was also, I think, a major takeaway for me because in as much as going through a divorce is something I never want to go through again, I don't wish it upon anyone um, because of all the trauma and the stress and, and additional elements that it comes with. But one thing that it taught me about myself was, you know, being brave enough to take some of those big decisions. But also the braveness comes from having a heart that is content with the outcome and that knows that the outcome is what you want. So that kind of... I guess, cushions the blow to a sense. Yeah, wow, that is that is so beautiful. The power lies with you. No matter what situation you're in, you do have the power. And yeah, oh, oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and, the, and the highlights? Gosh, the highlights, where do I start? Um, I think one highlight I don't talk about a lot and, and, and maybe recently has really come to the fore as a beautiful reminder um, because we actually, I recently lost a, a, a grandparent, it's family. You know, I think, Bilu, I, I have been gifted with such an amazing family, you know, not only my, my nuclear family, but my extended family as well, given the amount of sense of love that they have, um, companionship, because we all really do treat each other like companions and real friends beyond just being related, um, and the great sense of support that comes along with it as well. And, and the beautiful part is that besides the family that I'm related to, there's the family that you have the opportunity to create for yourself. So, you know, a lot of my friends who have consistently just been by my side, um, Mami, who I mentioned earlier, um, we met at Varsity. Um, she recently just became a mother. And it's just beautiful to see how all of us has, have grown within our different realms and different spaces um, and yet still continue to be there to, to support each other. And even in my current relationship, you know, having a partner who is, so different yet so refreshing and and so complementary to what it is that I've needed in my life um so that's also been um, a major highlight so I, I think I'd like to start with that and then secondly has been the opportunity for me to to really to really live within my purpose and accomplish many of my dreams um, and goals that I've had so doing a radio show um, having that radio show receive accolades and reward and awards, um, you know, having my name being mentioned amongst people who, you know, have sat down with heads of states um, across the continent and across the globe. Those are all things that I sit back sometimes and I'm like, you know, it was just a job when I was in that moment and moderating that conversation. But when I reflect on it now, I'm like, oof, I'm going to be such a cool grandma. You know, the kids I want to tell, <laughs> the stories I want to tell my kids and their kids. Um, you know, uh, I hope will be amazing and have a positive yeah. impact. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I really am a simple girl at heart when it comes to, you know, to all of this. And I think family and friends and, you know, the people around you, they're always the ones that matter most. Um, because yeah. what I've also learned is that death is very final and loss can be painful. And I once found myself, you know, when my brother passed away at a point where I thought, you know what, take it all, you know, take it all just for him to come back take it all. I don't mind starting from scratch. Um, and that's a very interesting position to find yourself in because you know that whilst you might be making this sacrifice or this offer, it's not, no one's going to take it upon them because, you know, yeah. 
life is a cycle. Um, and once, unfortunately, it comes to an end, you know, that 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 is the end. But so mm-hmm. what I learned again from my brother's death there was probably the just the reassurance to, number one, continue living the life that you want to make for yourself and create for yourself and make sure that it is the best life that you want to live. Because at some point, you know, this will be a recording that someone will listen to and say, oh, wow, did you hear what Gugu said to Pilu? Did you hear what Pilu said to Gugu? You know, how, how you know, um, um, whatever it is that they feel from it, but they will reflect on this conversation with a different sense of understanding to it mm-hmm. because it will all be, you know, be in hindsight. So, yeah, whilst life can be hard and it can be difficult and challenging, we, we definitely just need to make sure that at some point you live your best life, live it fully and live it with an impact. I love that. You know, I always say it's always so fascinating to me that whenever we get to the highlights, um, the guests and I also sometimes tend to tend to think it'll be like the awards, the this, the that. But actually, it always comes down to things that are just so intimate and personal and the little things um, that happen throughout this life journey. I absolutely love that. Okay, so we're at my favorite part of the podcast where I get to ask my favorite question. This, question's, this question comes from my favorite quote, which is, be who you needed when you were younger. I try to live by that because as much as you can't go back and change time, if you needed some to see someone or to hear something when you were younger, there's probably someone out there today that needs to hear it now. So if you could go back and talk to younger Gugu at any age, this can be you at 5, 15, 20, this can be you yesterday or last year, going into the pandemic, for example, if you could go back in time and talk to younger Gugu, what would you say to her? Wow. I think of Gugu at 21, lost, alone, confused, battling this degree in the last year of it um, that you know you didn't want to do, but that you've done anyway, you are capable. And I think you are capable is a, a line that I'll keep with me because so often, you know, through life and in different experiences, you know, you hear that you are enough and sometimes you don't know, okay, I'm enough in what way, you know, just by, by my presence, just by my capability. Do I need to do something? Do I need to say something to be enough? But I think why I say capable is because sometimes we ask ourselves constantly, and even in the current day-to-day jobs that we have that, ooh, am I the right person for this role? Am I the right person in this relationship? Am I the right person in this family structure where I'm the last born and everything gets blamed on me? Or am I the right person, you know, um, you know, being you know, told to have these certain expectations about life. Um, But I believe that you are capable of handling the situation that you have on you right now, whatever that stress or anxiety might be or where it comes from. But you are capable through your actions, through your being, through speaking to the people that you need to speak to and through showing up in the manner that you need to show up, you are capable of passing and exceeding your own expectations. You are also capable of the future goals and ambitions that you would like to achieve as confusing as it might be as to how they'll even come to fruition, just know that at some point you are capable of reaching those goals, of attaining that degree, whether you like it or not, of having that job, you know, how far-fetched it seems, but you are capable. And I think because so often we, I I take this back to us constantly having self-doubt, you know, you are capable of learning, you are capable of listening, you are capable of interacting. Just know that within you, Whilst you might not have the answers to the world, you yourself, you know, being a business analyst, you know, helping businesses grow, you have those capabilities to help people to leverage off of their strengths and most importantly, identify their weaknesses. So I think what I'd say to a Gugu who is in her early 20s and maybe struggling, um, um, because that for me back then was probably one of my major weaknesses, just constantly feeling like, oh, I'm not the right person. There's someone stronger, better, faster, prettier. Um, better speaking, just know that you are capable. You have the tools that you need to get through any situation that you need to get through and surpass this level of understanding to get to the next. And even when you get to the next, there'll be new challenges. You will surpass that level of understanding and get to the next. Because I believe that life is a constant work in progress. You know, whilst we, you know, reach certain goals and certain objectives, but we always find ourselves adapting and evolving in different ways, which is necessary, I guess, um, you know, until that final moment where, you know, you look back and you're able to say, you know what, I didn't do too badly, did I? Yes, I love that. That was you are capable. You are capable. Whatever it is, you are capable. I love thank you so so much. That was beautiful. 
Um, and thank you also for sharing your journey. How can our listeners get in touch with you, follow your journey? Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Bilu. Oh, man, I wish we could have this conversation for an hour longer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been very refreshing on my part. Um, my journey, um, and I guess my experiences, I often don't talk about my personal life because sometimes I feel like, Ugh, let me talk numbers. It's what people know me for. So I actually also want to take this time to thank you, you know, for, for allowing me to be myself and present myself and, and share myself um, with you and your audience. <laughs> Um, but I guess a lot of people probably know that I love sharing most of my updates on Instagram. I find that it's a kind of platform to some of the others. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's how I feel, definitely. Twitch is another beast. Um, Ooh, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very mindful there. Uh, mm-hmm. But on Instagram, at Gugumfupi at Gugumfupi, um, on Twitter, on Instagram. I don't have Facebook. If you see any profile on Facebook um, that might be selling you Bitcoin or Forex, it is mm-hmm. not. I promise it is not me. Um, and most importantly, also on a, one of the business shows that I present called Kaya Biz. Um, it's on now from 6 to 8 p.m. from the 5th of July. Um, and it's a business show, you know, on one of the major media platforms in South Africa where I talk about a lot of the serious stuff that I actually enjoy, you know, merging the business side, you know, with the media side and, you know, helping people get a better understanding of the world around them, you know, and how finance, business, politics, you know, socioeconomic structures all play an influence as to, you know, this world and this country that we operate in. And most importantly, helping us get a better understanding of the solutions we also need to bring forward to some of those challenges that we have. But other than that, yeah, there's not a lot of me out there, but a lot of me is um, available on on some of the socials that that I mentioned. Uh, that was perfect, guys. I'm so excited because, like I said in the beginning, I always get nervous enough to when I have to interview speakers and people who do what I'm doing now for a living. I get so nervous, but this is amazing. Thank you so much for your story. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you so much, Bilu. I really appreciate this and strength and strength to you. Onwards and upwards, you've really done an amazing job by amplifying the voices of Black females in South Africa and the continent. And what I also find so refreshing about you is the fact that you don't just stick to the status quo, you know, a lot of the names that we're familiar with, but you're doing a beautiful thing in terms of supporting other millennials like myself, um, you know, Gen Zs who've also come on recently on your show, like Zuleika yeah. Patel. Yeah. Um, you know, and many other more established women. So I think you really are doing something that decades from now will reflect on and say, remember when podcasts first came out and we weren't sure about them? Well, <laughs> Bilo did that, you know, and she also took a generation of women with her to entrench their, vo- their voices, to entrench their influence and their impact within the right spaces to enhance representation for, for Black women who are younger, who are coming up, and for us to, you know, take charge of spaces and take space. Um, yes, boy, take up space. Right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.